0: Glory to God. We got at least one more testimony here today. If someone else gets thinks of the one they have, let us know. We'll get them to them here at the end of the service. If you will turn over in your Bibles to the second book of Kings, second Kings chapter five. Took a little break last week, but we're back into the series here now and looking at some impossible tasks that people were taking on. There was recently a, a husband shopping center that was opened in Dallas. Anybody ever hear about that? It's where women could go to to choose a husband from among the many men that were there. There were five floors to this shopping center. And the only rule was that when you entered into the door, you were on the first floor. If you moved up to the second floor, you could not go back down to the first floor. If you moved up to the third floor, you could not go back down to the second floor. That was the only rule. If you went up higher... In the store, you could not go down lower, so the woman came in and they were came into the first thing first sign, and I saw because each, each each uh each floor was labeled first floor said this said these men have jobs and love kids." The woman looked at that sign and said wow that's that's really neat. They have jobs and they love kids. I wonder what's on the second floor so they moved up to the second floor. These men have high-paying jobs, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Wow, that's pretty good. Second floor here. <laughs> but I, I wonder what's up on the third floor. I went up on the third floor. These men have high-paying jobs, are extremely good-looking, love kids, and help with the house, housework. Wow. Women said that's very tempting, but uh, let's, just, let's go up another floor. Fourth floor. These men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, help with the housework, and have a strong romantic streak. Oh, mercy. Some of the the gals there are almost (laughs) fainting. But they said to each other, let's just go up to the next floor and see what's there. I mean, if it's this good on the fourth floor. So they went up on the fifth floor, and the sign said, this floor is empty. And exists only to prove that women are impossible to please. (laughs) Oh my, the impossible tasks that are at hand. We've been looking at things that are impossible. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at Daniel. We looked at different people who were involved in the impossible, but found that by taking on the impossible, God put them on the map. God caused them to be blessed. Riches, blessings, all sorts of things came to them because they were willing to take on the impossible. In order for us to take on the impossible, we have to first of all realize that the impossible is possible. We have to visualize that the possible that the impossible can be done. Remember our, our theme for Mission Impossible? This job. This mission, should you accept it? It's supposed to be an impossible mission, yet every single one, they always (laughs) pulled it off. They always did it. So it can't be that impossible, because it was made possible. We've taken on many things in this country by itself that people thought to be impossible, and it was made possible. But in order for the impossible to become possible, we must visualize That it can be done. As long as I tell myself that's not possible, it won't be. It doesn't matter if 20 other people we know did it. If I think it is impossible, it will not be done. I have got to get the idea that what God has promised me in His Word is possible. How many of you have impossible jobs? How many of you have impossible bosses? You've got to see this as possible. That first off, the boss can change. You can change to be more what the boss needs to be. You can accomplish that job. We have bosses that have asked us unreasonable requests. We looked over some of those. Jesus asked his disciples an unreasonable request. You feed them. (laughs) How are we going to feed them? We've got hardly anything here. That's an impossible task. Why would you ask us to do that? We talked about frustration in the weeks before. We saw the frustration sets in when we feel powerless, first off. Secondly, confused. And third, unjustly treated. Frustration can begin to set in. Frustration is not there to help you. Frustration will hold you back. How many folks have ever been frustrated at trying to work on something around the house? And the frustration was building and building. And eventually, you did something that... When you thought about it, you knew it wasn't going to work, but you did it anyway. You hit it, you banged it in a funny way, you, you bent it, or you jammed it in there, or you did something, you knew it wasn't going to work, and you just made the problem worse. You, just, you broke it, now you got to fix the whole thing, and now it's going to take you more time. Frustration doesn't help us. It doesn't cause us to be more powerful. we got to get out of the place of being frustrated. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to look at another request. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. So he was a great and honorable man. The Word of God is calling him a great and honorable man. He was a mighty man of valor, and God gave victory to Syria, because of him the king of syria was not a godly man but this one was and god gave victory to syria because of him now when you see this and you read the passage here it's kind of easy to assume to think that god gave syria victory over israel that is not the case if you get back into the history of time and what was going on here as syria was the ruling power Assyria had conquered Syria. Understand this. Assyria is not the same thing as Syria. Assyria is now gone. So Assyria had conquered Syria. But Syria had won the victory and had attained independence from Assyria. This is the victory that it speaks about. Now this man Naaman, just to give you a little little stuff from legends, The Jewish people have some legends about what some things that happened. A lot of them seem like they were (laughs) held some water and were true. But according to the Jewish uh, legends, the rabbis tell us that it was he, Naaman, who fired the arrow that killed Ahab. Do you remember when Ahab died in battle that some arbitrary archer shot an arrow into the air and it landed and hit him? The legend has it that this was the man, Naaman. Don't know. That's not in the Bible, but verse two. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Now, there's a couple ways to read this. First, they went on a raid into Israel and brought back captives or they went on a raid someplace else. And some other nation who had taken captives from Israel, they got her back from there. And they brought her back, but her, her still her origins were from Israel. I don't know which one it is. It could be either way. It seems to help the story a whole lot more if Syria is not raiding Israel at this time. We know they will go to war with them pretty soon. But whatever way it was, all we know is that the young girl was taken captive. She was from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Now, this tells us a couple of things. First, we have the Bible that tells us that Naaman was a man of great uh, character, valor, courage, mighty man. He also seems to be a likable guy. Because imagine this, a young girl is taken captive, whether she was taken captive by Naaman and his group, or they were you know, rescued from some other captive that she was in. Either way, she was in this household and serving them as a slave, and she came to actually like the guy if you had a guy who was over you and enslaving you and he had a terrible disease, would you think that the normal response would be, I hope he dies? But she didn't think that. She said, I want him to be healed. And if he would go over to Israel, there's a prophet over there and that prophet could help him out with this situation. That tells you a lot about Naaman. And so Naaman didn't just go off and do it. If you had an incurable disease and some girl told you about a prophet who was in a faraway country, Would you first seek permission from the king or would you just go? I mean, the king might mess it up. If if the king doesn't say no, you're not disobeying him. But if you go to the king and then he says, no, now you got to either go against him or or something. But um, the king said, no, go ahead and go. Go ahead and take off for for that. So the king liked the idea in verse five. Then the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. I wrote in your outline there what this amounts to. Some of these figures were old. I tried to up them a little bit. But 10,000 talents of silver, um, somewhere between 75 and 100,000 dollars. 6,000 shekels of gold, 1.2 to 1.5 million dollars, and 10 changes of clothing. I mean, for $1.2, $1.5 million, you can buy a whole lot of changes of clothing. I don't know why they bothered sending them too. but So he's got the letter of request. He's got the talents of gold. He's got the shekels of gold. He's apparently uh, bringing along quite a payload. Can you imagine being paid somewhere in the neighborhood of over $1.5 million for a prayer? $1.5 million. And again, you know, I, I... some of these figures that really needed to be up probably more than what I did. It could be closer to $2 million that, they, that this person sent along, this king sent along. Verse 6, Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> How would you like to be the king and get this request? Oh, what's going on? You got a letter? Oh, you got a letter from Syria. Syria is a rising power. Us Syria is the one that they're mostly in contending with, and us Syria is the one who's going to come down to the northern tribes and take them out of their land. But Syria is a rising power, and so this rising power, who has just defeated us Syria, sends you a letter and says, "Here's the captain of my army. He's the guy that I send out to war. I want you to heal him of his leprosy." What would you say if you were the king? Especially an ungodly king. Now, how do we know that the king is ungodly? He doesn't give his name. It's simple. He is in Samaria. Every single king of the northern ten tribes was evil. There was not a single one who was God fearing. There was one or two who started, there was actually two who started out God fearing. And as soon as they took the kingship, turned on God. As soon as they took the kingship, turned their back on God. Didn't take more than a day or two. (laughs) They're gone. Every king in the northern tribe, if their capital was Samaria, every single one was ungodly. So that's how we know. So this is an ungodly man. And he gets upset. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes And said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. Now, I don't know what you're supposed to do here. The king, as far as I can tell from this, the king of Syria is trying to respect the king of Israel and not just send his man to the prophet. He's trying to respect going king to king. So the king sends a request to this king, which is not uncommon. And I'm sure that he, he knows that it's the prophet in Israel, not the king in Israel. He fully expects that the king of Israel would send him to the prophet of Israel because the prophet would come under the authority of the king, so the king thought, not under the king of Syria. So he, as far as I can tell, the king of Syria is just trying to follow the chain of command. Just find proper channels. And so he sends it over there. He's not trying to be antagonistic. But the king of Israel hears it as antagonistic. Some of times we get frustrated it's because we hear some things that we think are antagonistic and they were not intended to be that way. Ever been in a situation like that? I know I have. We have to be careful about that because then we start getting frustrated. We start getting angry. And we start reacting and we're not believing. We're reacting. This man needed to do something different. So the news was carried to Elijah or to, to Elisha. Now, is not very far away. If in the next uh, chapter or two, you're going to see that Elisha is over in Dothan, which is not far from Samaria. So for news to travel, it's not like it has to go across the country. It's just going to a neighboring city town. It's not that, uh, not that far to go. But for us, this would seem to be an unreasonable request, wouldn't you think? I'll tell you what, if you ponder it, folks, you will see that there are a whole mess of unreasonable request made of people some by God to men and some by men to other men unreasonable requests have been made and some people rose to the challenge and some people did not the people who rose to the challenge of the unreasonable request soared, became great we know of them the ones who did not many of them disappeared Some of them we know of them because of their futility. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now I put this in your outline. What happened between chapter 7 or verse 7 and verse 8? In verse 7, Naaman comes to the king of Israel and he says, here's the letter. And the king reads it and he's he just flips out. He starts tearing his clothes and getting upset. And if you're naming, you're thinking, man, I got a whole lot of money. I took a trip with about $2 million in tow to come here to you to get this reaction. (laughs) And after a while, you know, word leaks leaks out over to Elisha. But for that time, from when the man is has the reaction until Elisha, hears about it and then sends word. How much time do you think it takes? They don't have telephones. They don't have cell phones. No text messaging. No Facebook. Nothing. If you want a message to get there, you put it in somebody's hands and they go. Otherwise, the word just kind of passes from one house to another. Eventually, the word got over there. So, I don't know how long it was. Was it an hour? Was it a day? Was it two days? Can you imagine Naaman hanging out And thinking, I came all this way. And nothing's going to happen. I'm going to get sent back. I wonder what happened between verse 7 and verse 8. But we'll have to wonder because the Bible doesn't tell us much. We'll have to ask Naaman or Elisha when we get up to heaven. What happened there? How long were you kind of stuck in between? Wondering what was going to go on. So Elisha says, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Elisha sends a messenger. Elisha doesn't come. He sends a messenger, probably because the messenger is faster. Here, take this message and run to the king and give this to him. And so he's on a tear. It probably took longer to get the message to Elisha than it is going to get this message back over to, to the man. But he says, send him over here to me. And so they probably just followed the messenger. I'll tell you, I'll take you over there. Messenger goes back. Then Naaman went in with his horses and chariot, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. So he sent a messenger to the king. He sends a messenger to the door. Where is Naaman? At his house, at his front door. Where is Elisha? In the, inside the house. What would happen if someone came calling on you in your house? And you send a messenger. Can you imagine this? You're sitting in your family room, and a knock comes at the door. Then somebody brings the message. Oh, it's it's a uh, Naaman. He's here. All right. Here's what you do. Tell him to do this, 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 and this, and you know, go. And the messenger comes. If you're Naaman, how many of y'all are expecting Elisha to come? I, I'm I'm with you. I expect Elisha. I'm at his house. I came all the way from the land of Syria, all the way to the king of Israel. I came all the way from the king of Israel, all the way over to here. I've got, over, I got somewhere around $2 million worth of stuff I'm going to bless you with. And you don't get up. You don't come over to the door. You don't talk to me. I think that right there, you can get upset. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. We need something a little more dramatic than this. This is the big disease. This is leprosy. It is incurable in this day and age. I don't know much about it anymore, whether they've got some things to help it out. don't really see a whole lot of folks suffering with it, so I'm going to assume that they've got some things to take care of that with. But go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Sounds pretty simple. But Naaman became furious and went away. And said, said, he didn't stand there at the door and jump and shout and holler and, Elisha, get out of here. He went away. And he said, have you ever gone away from somebody and talked about the situation? And you can relate to Naaman here. This is what he did. It probably didn't do you much more benefit than it's going to do him, but... Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. <laughs> I mean, we have never gone in with a preconceived idea of what God is going to do, right? We have a financial need. We have never had a preconceived idea that a check would come in the mail. When we had a financial need, we never had a preconceived idea that I would go to the store, buy the lottery ticket, win the lottery ticket. <laughs> right? Never has that occurred. We've never brought up our need to someone of means with a preconceived idea that God would move on them to take care of my need. Never. We've never had preconceived ideas like that. We've never gone into a meeting for healing, thinking that, well, surely they'll call me out. Surely the spirit of God will move and they'll call me out. They'll know my condition. They'll begin to name my condition. There's a person here who has this, 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 and has gone here and done this and. Surely they would call me out and then I would come forward and they'll wave their hand over me and I'll fall out under the power and I'll get up and I'll be healed. We've never had preconceived ideas like that, have we? (laughs) If we have, you can relate to Naaman. Naaman came all the way down here and said, I wonder what's going to happen. I'll bet he'll come out and he'll just kind of wave his hand over the place where the leprosy is and um, leprosy will just go away and then I'll give him the bunch of money that I have and I'll be happy and he'll be happy and everything's good he will surely come out to me and stand see he's expecting Elisha to come out and stand before him and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy Are not the Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus, far better or better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. It does not help to get furious. It does not help to get into a rage. These things will not help you out. Becoming furious or mad at God or the messenger that was sent in this case will not help you get what you need and unlikely it will be a hindrance. Just like Naaman, though. Many of us, if God, once God has told us to do something and said, all right, go up in our spirit from the word. Someone has spoken something, a word for us. Haven't we had it come up? Well, certainly there's a better way of doing that. Surely you could do this and, and that would work better. We all have, uh, have better ideas. We all have better ways to, to pull this off, don't we? Except for the way that God said. The command was to go and wash in the Jordan, was not to wash in any other ones. Is water going to have an effect on leprosy? No, no if it, water had an effect on leprosy, it would not be incurable. There's plenty of water around. It's not the first time the guy's taken a bath. Water has not had an effect on it before. It's the act of obedience to do what God said to do. You can come up with better acts of obedience, but that's not necessarily what God's saying to do. Sometimes God would say, I want you to make a meal and take it over to this person. Oh, I really don't have time to make the meal and to take that over to the... You know what? I'm just going to give them 30 bucks. They can go out there and get something. <laughs> All right. You came up with a better way. You found a better river than the Jordan. God didn't say give them 30 bucks. What do you say to do? You got to listen to what God says to do. If God says to do a certain thing, If God says to give away a certain thing, you need to listen and just do what God says to do. Don't try and come up with a better way. Well, this is a better thing. I'll give him this instead. That's not what God asked you to do. He asked you to give him that one. He asked you to do it that way. Listen to what he said. So he turned away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? You see, a lot of times when we have a great miracle that we need, we have something really bad going on in our life, we gear ourselves up to God is going to ask a great thing of me in order for for him to do a great thing back. So what great thing would I need to do? And then what comes to us is kind of small. I can't be God. If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. Now, what's real interesting is this man who comes to him is a servant of his. He's of a lower rank. We're not contending to be close to the same rank. We're at a lower rank. And Naaman, again, God spoke of his character. And you're going to see this here. Naaman listened to him. Tell you what, this is why the servant girl came over to his side because this man was not so pompous that, well, no one can tell me what to do. I'm Naaman. I am the commander of the army. I know what's going on. I'm smarter than everybody else. I'm better than everybody else. No one can tell me what to do. This guy took advice from a servant. He took advice from a servant girl. Sometimes we can get some great advice from people that are not necessarily over us. We just need to listen. So he put it in perspective for him. He's very respectful in the way he talks to him. My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? He's not putting them down. He's saying, Naaman, I know you would do just about anything. And if the prophet asked you to do something great, you would have rose to the challenge. You would have done it. So how much more do you when he says, wash and be clean? And it finally brought, woke Naaman up, brought him back down to earth here Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I'm getting upset. I guess it kind of threw me because of the messenger that came to the door. But yeah, that's right. I need to just listen and I'll go wash. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. Now, there was nothing in the ordinance of the man of God that said how well he had to wash. He just said, Go into the Jordan. Wash seven times. Went down there. Dipped into one time. Came back out. All right, it's one. Probably the whole time he's going in there saying, oh, this is, oh, feel that stuff in the bottom. Oh, that water. It's just leaving stuff all over my skin. Oh, I can feel it. Gets out the first time. All right, going back in. Going back in the second time. Come back out. He may have been done in five minutes. <laughs> Dipping seven times. We don't know. It didn't matter. What mattered was that he obeyed. And he did it. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. He was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides. Now watch this. And came and stood before him who? Elisha. And he said. Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he who Elisha said, is there a messenger involved? But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. We have that Naaman comes back to say thank you and stands before Elisha. There is no messenger. Elisha meets him. They're standing face to face. They have a discourse. They have a conversation. So what was the deal with the messenger before? Because Elisha was a man of God. He listened to what God said. And God said, send a messenger to the door and tell him to do this. And he just did it. He just followed exactly what God said. This apparently stirred up something on Naaman that had to be dealt with. And when Naaman gave in and Naaman yielded, then his obedience opened up the opportunity for him to be healed. There are times that we have an attitude about things, a preconceived idea or an attitude, and we're thinking that God should do it this way. God needs to come through for me here or God needs to, whatever it is, and we've got We've developed an attitude and God finds a way to deal with that attitude. And God says, all right, we're going to deal with the attitude. I mean, he's a great guy, got all kinds of good things going on, but there's something there that's lurking. We got to, we got to, Bring it out to the open. Say to him this way, this will bring it out. And it brought it out perfectly. And there it was. And God spoke wisdom with the servant. This is what you do. If he, if he asked you to do something great, you would have done it. No problem. Yeah, 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 you're right. He had to humble himself before the man of God. He had to humble himself before a servant. And he had to listen. Folks, too many times we are not listening to people. The reason you're not receiving things from God is because you don't listen to people. God speaks most times through other people. And if you get an idea that the only way I'm going to hear about this thing is to hear from God. And when he tells me to do something, I'll do it. That's why you're in this situation that you're in. Because God has spoken some things to you from other people and you've refused to listen. You've gone away frustrated. You've gone away mad. You've gone away angry. You need to knock it off. That's an attitude. That's a chip on your shoulder. And I don't care if the person is viewed by you as being under or over or equal or anything like that. What you need to do is listen. When God speaks words of wisdom, it may be through your kids. And you just need to say, you know what? You are right. (laughs) You are right. I am doing that wrong. That's what the word of God says. I need to just do that. Because if you won't do that with your kids, if you won't do it with other people that are under you, what you're showing is, no, 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 I am over that. You are under me, and I, I hear from God before you do. It's a wrong attitude. That attitude will keep you sick, poor, under whatever conditions you have, so forth. Don't have that attitude. Shake it off. Be ready to receive from anyone. Let God speak to you from anyone. You can be listening to somebody. Ever have somebody on the, on the TV who just rubs you the wrong way? They, you know, they've spoken, you've heard them, you've listened to them before and they just, oh, they just rub me the wrong way. Oh, I just don't like it when he gets into that. You know, you turn on the TV and here's Greffel Dollar and he's talking about money. Oh, I don't like it when he talks about money. He's always talking about money. Why is he always talking about money? Uh, and you turn it off. I'm not going to listen to that. He don't have nothing for me watching the tv and you flip over to a station there's benny Hinn. oh what's benny Hinn doing on the tv oh i don't like the way he behaves himself in these meetings oh i don't like the thing and you you get develop an attitude and he can't speak anything to you can he these are gifts that god put in the body of christ are they perfect gifts no they are not they are gifts they are gifts. And if you spend your time talking down gifts that have been given to the body, God doesn't like that a whole lot. What happened to people who spoke about Moses and Aaron in a bad, derogatory way? It wasn't good. There's smoke involved and earth opening up and fire. Elijah's up on there on the rock and they send the group over there to take him on into the king. And again, smoke was involved, burning flesh, and it was not good. You you just don't want to get involved in that. God has put gifts in the body of Christ. If you don't enjoy something about them, just go on. Sure, they could be doing something maybe a little bit different to make it more palatable for you. But you could be doing some things a little bit more different too. Make things more palatable for other people. But if they approach you about it, what do you say? Who are you to rebuke me? What signs and wonders have been done in your life? What testimony do you have that you're rebuking me? It's the wrong attitude. You maintain that attitude, folks. You can be like Naaman and not get healed. If Naaman maintained that attitude, he would still have been a leper to the day he died. But he shook that attitude off. And he says, no, you know what? You're right. I'm being a fool. This is not the way that I should go. I need to change this up. You see, the problem comes in, folks, that we're human. And what we, we like people to come along and pat us on the back and say, oh, it's not your fault. You're doing a good job. You're doing the best you can. Keep on going. God should show up for you. We like that. But if somebody comes up and pats us on the back and says, you know what? I know you're doing the best that you know, but you're not doing this over here. Or you're messing up on this over here. You, you, the word of God says this and you're you're not really doing that are you you know how easy it is for us to go from the place of talking to our problems talking about our problems it's so easy to slip over and if we slip over there and we start to reside there more and someone comes along and puts their arm around us and said brother sister you're talking about your problems you're not talking to them and what do we do uh nah, uh uh-uh. No, I don't, I don't want, I don't hear that. I tried doing it that way. It didn't work. Hey, yeah, I, you don't know what I've been through. What are you doing? You're having Naaman's attitude. If you got Naaman's attitude, folks, you can have what Naaman had. You straighten it up, fix it up, you can, you can get rid of those things. So he returned to the man of God to say thank you. And he came and stood before him. Look at some of the things he said. Indeed, now I know that there is no God on all the earth except in Israel. Know this about God. God will show up and do some miraculous things simply because he's God. And he wants to show himself as God. And we've got to be willing to do some things to help some people out. To lay hands on some people that are unsaved for them to be healed. So that they know that God is God. There was an incident that happened to me this week that um, we had all these beds that were supposed to go down to the Jersey Shore. And I was focused on both of the days were supposed to be rainy. And I told both people, I don't know what I can do because of the rain. I have to have a clear day to get from here to there. And so the first day, Thursday, was the first day we were going to try and do these things. And I had the person's stuff all ready to go. And I uh, was watching the weather. It looked like it all cleared up. And so I loaded a truck. And I took off to go, and I forgot to look at the weather map before I left because it was one of those days where storms were popping up all over the place. And I forgot, but it was clear as could be at home. It was almost bright, shiny. It was clear as could be, and I didn't think of it. And I'm heading on down the road, and I'm going on down the road, and this sky started to cloud up. Well, it's just cloudy. It's not a big deal. And then as I'm driving along a little further, there was a flash of lightning. And I know I'm going to get hammered with rain. The rain is coming this way. And so, you know, I looked at my little weather weather map on my phone, and sure enough, there is a big cell, and I'm going right into it. The thing is, if I would have looked 20 minutes sooner, I could have gone to another way down the shore and gone all the way around it. I didn't look. I am now going into the heart of this thing. I says, dear Lord, I need an overpass. I need something where I can park because if this rain comes, this is going to ruin everything I have in the truck. And there was a lot of stuff in the truck. And so I pulled off at the first exit after I saw the lightning and I'm looking for an overpass. That's what I'm asking for. I need an overpass or something to pull. So there was an overpass or right there. And I pulled through, but it was one of those ones that was Balakinwood. And there's no shoulder in Wood under the overpass. It is just road. And so I got through the the overpass, and I'm looking ahead, and there's a Sunoco station. you know they have the covered tops over there, and you can pull in there and get gas, but, you know, I'd have to be getting gas for a long time.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so right across the street from that, there was an auto mechanic place, and they had a bay open. So I pulled up in front, and I backed my truck up to it. I didn't back it in there. I backed up to it, and I got out, and I found the owner. I says... Do you mind if I park my truck here until the storm passes? Come on, bring it in. I back the truck up. The beds are kind of wet. I had a little towel in there. We drying them all off, getting them all ready to go. And I, I talked to them for a little while. I said, boy, I really appreciate it. I pulled in there about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't leave until a little after 3. It was about an hour. It never downpoured. It just rained. whole time I'm sitting in a car. I'm speaking to this part of the storm right here. You are going to dry up. You're going to let me go on around and get skirted around here and get going? And it, um, the, the heavy stuff never hit. didn't matter. I was in the garage anyway. I just wanted to get out of the way and I could get going. And so I was talking to the guy that was in the store, and I said, um, you know, I said, it looks like a, a decent place that you got here. He said, well, I just bought it. He said, I grew up in this area. I've been doing mechanic work, and I just bought this. And uh, he really had no business at all. He said, hasn't been much coming in just yet because like, I'm new. And I said, well, you know what? You have really helped me out here today. And I, I gave him something for help. Let me stay there and park in the place. But I said, I'm also going to do this. I'm going to ask God to bless this place because you are a blessing to me. Amen. And so I got my truck and, and I left. I said, as soon as it clears out here, I'm going I'm to pull it out. So I, I got one out. But I wanted him to know, God will bless you. And so I'm expecting. I left out of there saying, you know, God, you're going to. Bless this person because of this. Now, you cannot pray for the finances to improve upon other people that are not, not saved. But you know what you can do? This is in the Word of God. There are people, when they did things for, for the children of God, that God blessed them for it. So I asked them, said, God bless them for it. And I want it to be done so close to this incident that He knows that you did it. Put God on the line. God will show up. This man came back and said, I know that God, this God, is God. I know that this God is God because of what happened here. As the Lord lives before whom I stand, he said, well, I'm jumping there. Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha probably had it from God. Do not take anything from this man because there are situations coming up and I don't want Israel to have received anything from Syria. So he didn't take it. So Naaman said, Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Rimon, to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down, well, yeah, when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. So he wanted some earth because he's going to make a little area of Israel right there, and he's going to have a place where he sacrifices to the Lord God, but he wants it to be on Israel land, so he wants some of their dirt. All he asked for was some dirt. That's pretty good. <laughs> so give me some dirt. I'm going to go on home. So he got some dirt and he uh, headed on back and he said, now forgive. Now ask God this. He said, forgive me because the king is going to lean on me and I'm going to have to bow down to his God. But I won't offer anything up to it. And Elisha never says, oh, don't worry about it. God won't care. He does does not say that. He says, go in peace. Simply because of this, he's expecting that Naaman is going to get stronger in the things of God. And there's going to come a day when Naaman, you, you're going to need to stand up. And you're going to say, I'm not going to bow to your God anymore, just like Daniel did. But he said, I'm not going to put that on you right now. You just got born again, fallen after God. Just go in peace. But as, it, as he continues to grow in the things of God, more is going to be required. And God's going to eventually come to him and say, Naaman, don't bow today. That was yesterday. That was your last day. Don't bow today. Go in peace. So he departed from him in. Now, this would not have happened if Elisha wouldn't have accepted an unreasonable request, an impossible request. It wouldn't have happened. We won't have this story. This difference wouldn't have been made. Now, Syria eventually comes over and they're a problem for Israel. But they were given an opportunity to turn their, their nation around and they didn't. Here's another incident that's kind of similar to this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? God is always looking at what you have. Remember Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000? What's he ask? What do you have? What do you have? What's uh, Elisha ask here? What do you have? What do you have in the house? We're poor. We don't have anything. <laughs> what do you have in the house? you got something in the house. Give God something to work with. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And he, and she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. So Elisha begins to think, jar of oil, jar of oil. All right, what can we do with a jar of oil? Not much you can do. Oh, I got it. And so he gives it to him. Go borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. And your sons then poured into all these vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. He said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons shall live on the rest. What would have happened if Elisha said, well, that's impossible. If all you got is a little bit of oil in the house, there's no way we can take care of the debt. I guess they'll have to take the sun away. He didn't do that, though, did he? It was an impossible situation. Is she not making an unreasonable request? I got a problem. You didn't create it, but I'm going to ask you to solve it. Ever ever had that? Have people ever asked you to solve problems that you didn't create, but somehow it's your responsibility to fix it? (laughs) Oh, man. Let's see, there's an opportunity for God to move. So she went out and she had to go get some vessels. He said, don't get a few going out. So she had to go over there and knock on doors. You have some vessels. I just need to use them for a little bit. You have some vessels? Yeah. What what kind of ones you want? Uh, Big ones. She has to ask me, what do you want to do with the big vessel? I'm going to put oil in it. How are you going to do that? Well, I got a little bit in the house. I'm going to keep pouring until it. I don't know how much she's telling them, but she's got to go door to door. How many vessels you got? I need all of them. You have 10. Can I have all 10? She has to go around and do all this. No one is coming along and doing it all for her. She has to go around to every house. I need some vessels. You only got two. Do you have anything more? Is there anything that you threw out? Anything in the recyclable then? We'll take any kind of vessel. It don't matter if it's small. Doesn't matter if it's big. We'll take it all. Whatever you got. I'll take it. And she went out there and she spent some time and she got all the vessels that she could. Now she do not have a whole lot of time. Think people are coming to take her son. So when she gets all the vessels she could, she goes, well, we've asked just about everything. There's no one else in town that we can ask. We've got all the vessels right here. All right, and then she starts pouring away and pouring this stuff in. See, there was something that was put on her too. That she had to go around and, and make these requests. What if she said to Elisha? Well, that's unreasonable. Go around and ask all these people. I mean, I just thought you'd pray to your God and he'd send me a check. I thought, you know, you'd pray to your God and the, and the creditors would come and say, oh, it's all forgiven. But she didn't do it. She went ahead and listened. On the third day, John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. You see, that's what you got to get down. Whatever God says to you, do it. If God says, speak to your mountain, what should you do? Then don't say, talk about the mountain. It says, speak to it. Then you should do it. If God says, believe and you shall receive, what should you do? Believe and you will. Whatever he says to you, do it. See, we're we're second-guessing God too many times. Well, God, I tried that, and it's just not working for me. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Well, why in the world would anybody do that? Why would we fill these water pots with water? We need wine. Jesus, didn't you understand we needed wine? This is unreasonable request. This is an impossible situation. And you're asking me to go out there and get water for the water pots. We don't need water for the water pots. We need wine. Didn't you hear what they said? We want wine. How are we going to get the wine? Where can we go? Tell us where to go to get the wine. Do you know somebody? Got some wine? Tell us where. We'll go out there and get it. You're telling us to get water. We don't want water. We want wine. But they're not doing that, are they? Now, there were set there six water pots of stone. We've said that. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. They didn't just fill them. They filled them up to the brim. Can you fit any more in there? A little bit more. There, right, right, right up to the top. He said, fill them. That means fill them. There's no space to be left in there. Fill the thing. Fill it up. And he said to them, draw, outs, draw out now. Or draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. It's water. He wants wine. You're asking me to draw out water. He's going to slap me silly. What are you doing, bringing me water for? They didn't do it. It's an unreasonable request, isn't it? What do you mean, take out water and pass it off as wine? Why would we do this? But they do it. They do it, and a great miracle was there. Whatever he says to you, do it whatever he says to you do it now with name and help does not come to us because of our character too often folks we want help to come to us because i'm a good person i've been upstanding i've served god all these years i've done all these different things i haven't done anything bad look at all the different people of help we think that god should heal us we think that god should minister to us we think that god should uh, give to us take care of our financial situation, whatever problem we have, we think he should do it because of our character. Help does not come to us because of our character, but it can leave us due to it. Naaman's opportunity almost went away because he's going to do something stupid and get all upset. Do we come to God with better ways of doing things that he asks? Don't come to God with better ways of doing things things than he asks you to do what he says if you read it in his word do it don't sit around waiting for some special word from god if you know it and from his word do it if you won't obey the word that he has written why would god ever think you're going to obey the word that is spoken no that's not going to happen but then there's going to be some spoken things you're going to be speaking to speak to some stuff You're going to begin to speak to your situations. You're going to begin to change some things. Remember the situation with Mary? When Mary was alone and the angel came to her and the angel said to Mary, how you doing? Having a good day? Mary, highly favored one. Blessed of God. You got God's attention. You're going to have a child. You should go call his name it'll be boy. Call his name, Jesus. How can this be? I don't have a husband. And there's a discourse that goes on. Go back and look at that. Look that up. There's a discourse that goes on between Mary and the angel. And the angel doesn't go anywhere. The angel is having this discourse. But you look at the beginning of the discourse. There's no faith involved. How can this be? But finally, we get to the spot. Where Mary says something. Be it unto me as you have said. And the angel had something to work with and he left. But he didn't leave until he got those words. What are we giving God to work with? He looks for what we have. What do you have that God can work with? What are your words like? What's your obedience level like? How quick are you to obey the Word of God? How quick are you to alter the Word of God and do it as you want? How quick are you to get upset at His messengers or Him because of the requests that He said? How quick are you to get upset because, well, this doesn't seem to be working for me while I work for Sister Sue? Just fine. And she's not near the Christian I am. She hasn't been serving God nearly as long as I have or done as many things or helped as many people. And yet, man, just like that, she gets healed. I'm still over here suffering with it. They get their finances taken care of. I'm still over here trying to pay my bills. How is that? It's wrong attitude. That's a Naaman attitude in the beginning. You got to get rid of that. You got to shed that in order to get there to where Naaman was at when he received his healing. You cannot have that kind of attitude with God and be successful. When God says it, you do. You respond. You go with it. God, what would you have me to do? As Mary told the men in Cana, whatever he says to you, do it. He didn't say question it. He didn't say talk about it. Have a discourse. He said, whatever he says to you, do it. I don't see how this is related. How is washing in the Jordan related to me getting healed? Whatever he says to to you, do it. I don't see how filling up containers full of water is going to help. Whatever He says to you, do it. I don't see what good empty vessels are going to do when I only got a little bit of oil. Whatever He says to you, do it. When we get to that place that whatever He says to us, we do it, we'll see changes in our lives. You find a person in the Word of God who whatever He said to them, and they did it, it didn't work. You're going to find out it worked for them. Whatever He says, don't change it, don't alter it. Do what He says. Oh, it's going to be good. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We are your servants. Oh, and we are here to do your bidding. Whatever you say, we will do. Whatever you say to us, we will do it. And we can expect To see good things come, we're not going to sit around talking about our problems. We are going to speak to them. We're not going to deny what we are in. We are simply going to set our sights on what's ahead. What you have promised us, what you have said is ours. We're going to get our eyes off of where we are and set our eyes on where we are going. We're going to not view things that we're in as being impossible, but we will see them as possible. Because God has spoken it. Father, help us to see these things because until we see it with our spiritual eyes, we can't believe it with our spirit. We need to see it. We need to allow you to paint that picture for us. and Say, see, this is what I'm going to do. Just as you came to Abraham, see? Look at the stars in the sky. That's how many kids you're going to have. That's what your descendants are going to be like. Look at the sand of the sea. That's what your descendants are going to be like. You want us to picture it. You want us to see it. We need to picture ourselves healed. We need to picture ourselves whole. We need to picture ourselves out of debt. We need to picture ourselves with a good paying job. We need to picture ourselves with the promises of God being fulfilled and not always struggling. Thank you for the help that you give us, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go this morning, we do have one more testimony. My dad had a testimony of some... Things God was doing?
1: It's one of those things where your memory is so bad.
0: Speak all the way into the microphone. Okay. There you go.
1: It takes... Uh, I forget just about anybody and everybody's name. I forget the... Uh, there are other things. For example, I can no longer write... You know, I can't even sign my name. I don't have any sense of smell. That's gone. I've had a number of other things that... Uh, taking place, but this has been going on and it's not curable, at least it's in here today. So, so this week I see my neurologist, I haven't seen her for quite a while, but she has to decide, you know, what's happening in my life. So that's, not, not everything is with me. For example, my wife had a, a soul separation last November. And it's gotten to a point now where it's so bad, the doctors have said it's massive. And uh, we've had what doctors look like they refused to accept it because they're afraid of it, they don't know how to handle it. So we're trying to go to a doctor far from here. My point is that all of this is happening, and there's no reason that we know of. But I've got to the point where I'm sick and tired of having this happen and doing nothing about it. So at this point, I want to go on record It with Barb and I, we're going to and have. We're going to go with it. See, I lose my voice, I lose my sense of what I'm saying. I completely forget. But anyway, I say from now on, we're going to war. <laughs> And yeah, but Amen. Barb and I are just going to do that's it we're going to do it we'll give reports uh, as we at anyway we're not going to take that. that we've had too many things that we just don't it's just not who's got it so I ask you a prayer for with Barb and I both and thank you for listening all
0: right yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you use I just the microphone; they won't hear you. Can you hold the microphone up? It's kind up of forward? like
1: it's kind of like a, a, a um, it's a Rosa Sharon bush, and I had planted it, and it was doing really
0: great. And I went out this spring, and there's so many bugs on it that it was dying. Well, you know, with my shoulder problem and everything, I just didn't get out to get anything for it. And uh, my daughter-in-law was up to help me on Friday. We went past the bush. The bush was covered with ladybugs, and all new
1: leaves were on it. And I feel that's a sign for us. You know, we're
0: looking at the side of what we're losing, but God's sending his weapons in to bring forth new life. Yeah, ladybugs will take care of that problem for you. (laughs) Mm. Nothing lady, like about them ladybugs. They, they go after stuff. That is good. All right. Well, there's other folks that are in situations similar to mom and dad and the things that you're facing and you need to declare war on it. I'm going to go after this thing. I'm not going to keep accepting what's been coming down my way. I'm going to speak at it. It's not a, don't think you got to go around and deny what it is that you're in. You can tell people about your situation if you if you choose, but be speaking more against it. Don't be speaking about your problem all the time. Don't feel like you got, well, no, that's not happening. No, don't, don't, don't do that. But speak against the problem. Speak what you see. What do you see coming down the pike? Where do you see yourself going? What is God going to do for you? Speak that. Father God, I see that I am healed. Father God, I see that my finances are taken care of. Father, I can see that's coming. My deliverance is coming. Just like Abraham. I am the father of many nations with no kids. I am the father of many nations. Declare it. Declare it to be. You don't have to deny where you're at. That's forgotten God to take care of where you're at. You declare what's there. Give him something to work with. He's going to ask you, what do you got? Well, Father God, I got, some, I got some faith and I got some words. All right, we can work with that. We can work with that. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the faith spoken of here. We thank you, Father, that you build up every single one of us to receive from your hand, to receive from your spirit, revelation that we need, instruction that we need when you tell us to do something we will do it exactly as you said we'll listen to what your word says we'll listen to what your spirit says and i thank you father for the victory for mom and dad and others that are in similar situations and other other things that they're facing that victory is ours We thank you for it in the name of jesus we pray amen